0: Al-Bayan Radio presents The Life of Prophet Muhammad, Peace Be Upon Him Presented by Nidal Ayyubi In the Alhamdulillah the Allah And As-salamu alaykum brothers and sisters Inshallah we'll begin with the life of the Prophet Muhammad His biography, his life And in this series we'll discuss what happened before Islam The world before Islam Especially the Arabian Peninsula, where the Prophet was sent, we will discuss what the people were practicing in terms of practices, religions, customs, and then we will discuss the Prophet ﷺ, his youth, his upbringing, his message, and then we will discuss his his 23-year prophethood, 13 years in Mecca, and then the 10 or 11 years in Medina, and we'll finish off discussing his death, Wasallam. Know, my dear brothers, that you can never ever have true iman. Unless you love the Prophet more than your own self, more than your own family, more than your own kids. And really, to love him is to know him. If you don't know him, how are you going to love him? If we look around today, sadly, we know everybody, we know about everybody, but we don't know about the Prophet. We have to know him better than we know our own selves. We have to love him more than we love our own selves. That's why it takes a bit of commitment to learn about him, to study him. And where we learn about him is in the Quran, which was sent to him وسلم, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the Prophet through the angel Jibreel over a 23 year period. Also through the Sunnah, and through the books of history or seerah. So today, inshallah, as we mentioned, it will be very brief, 10-15 minutes per lesson, bi and we will start off with the Arabian Peninsula. But we know first and foremost, that the Prophet wasn't only really sent to the Arabs. He's different than the rest of the Prophets. Prophets before him were sent to their people, to their nation, to their locality. The Prophet ﷺ was sent to all of mankind. So no one can ever believe now after his sending. No one can have true Iman or belief unless they believe in him. Whether he be Jew, Christian, or whatever other religion. The Prophet, ﷺ, Allah sent him as a mercy to all of mankind, for every type of person. Verily, we sent you, Muhammad, we did not send you except as a messenger for all of mankind. For every person, as a mercy for all of mankind. So the Arabian Peninsula is where the Prophet. ﷺ was sent to Mecca, as we know, we'll discuss. So how was Arabia before Islam? The Arabian Peninsula, surrounded on all sides. On the west, it's the Red Sea. On the east, it's the Arabian Gulf. On the south, it's the Indian Ocean. And to the north is Syria and Iraq. And it's mostly desert land. It's mostly desert land. And it's mostly very, very dry. And uh, doesn't have much rainy seasons. Its climate is very, very hot, except for a few places which are a bit cooler, like a ta'if for example. A ta'if, the temperature is not as hot and a ta'if is around what, probably an, an hour away from Mecca, southeast of Mecca, and it's known basically for its, for its figs, for its raman, for its uh, roses and honey. And it's like the unofficial summer capital in, in present-day Saudi Arabia. And if we look into the Arabian Peninsula, we can basically divide it into two parts before Islam. The north and the south. The south is Yemen, and it was mainly a civilized society where they would live in cities like we see. And they were very structured. And Allah mentioned them and their dams and their their rivers and the gifts that Allah gave them. But they disbelieved. And this is mentioned in Surah al-Sabah in Ayah 15 onwards, Allah talks about them. And in the north, they were mainly nomads, wanderers. They would go from area to area. They didn't like uh, farming much or business much. So they'll find the area for the animals to eat and they'll live off that. They would eat and drink from the animals and, and use their skin as places to live and for clothes. That's how they were in the north as, as, as we mentioned in the books of history. That's how they were before Islam. As we shall see later on when we speak about Mecca. Mecca they started to live in and around the Kaaba as we're going to discuss when we discuss the life of Prophet Ibrahim. So they were mainly, especially the desert nomads we can say, or the, the Bedouins, uh, the desert dwellers, their political situation was tribal, they were very tribal. They had a tribal head, a man, they had the high, high, high parts of society who were respected, and the lower part of society who weren't as respected. And the, the, their tribal concept or their tribal society or system was based upon honour. So it was live by the tribe, die by the tribe. If the individual is wrong, the individual does a crime, the whole tribe does a crime. There's no individual responsibility. And we know later on Islam came and changed that. So they had a leader who was, it was a mayor who was the chief. And they would live by the tribe and die by the tribe. And their social life, as we know, they had the higher ranking nobles, even women. Some had a great deal of respect and freedom. And sometimes they would even go to war over defending one of their high ranking women. And a lot of this is found in their pre-Islamic poetry where they would mention these things. But there was lower levels of society and some of these women were given very little respect. There was a lot of sin and a lot of vices and a lot of evils such as prostitution, indecencies, drinking of alcohol, gambling and riba widespread in their communities. And they would boast about this in their poems and songs uh, about wine drinking and the like. Now, even children... In the pre-Islamic Arabia, they were treated, some were treated well and others were treated very badly. In some cases, they would kill them for fear of poverty, for fear of poverty. And uh, in, in, in the more extreme cases, with the with the young girls, they felt that the young girls, they would kill them because of shame and poverty. And uh, they were a means to bring in enemies and they found no benefits in having Baby girls. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he condemned these practices in the Quran. And he said to them, أَوْلَادُكُمْ خَشْيَةَ إِمْلَاكُ نَحْنُ Wa وَإِيَّاكُمْ Do not kill your children for fear of poverty. We will provide for them and for you. And Allah also tells us, When the news of the birth of a female is brought to any of them, his face becomes dark, becomes upset, and he is filled with inward grief. Imagine that he's given the good news of a girl and he's upset and angry. Subhanallah. Al-Azim. So he hides himself from his people when he is given the good news of or given the news of, of a baby girl because of the evil he has been informed that he's gonna have an infant girl. A baby girl. He's had an infant girl. Then he thinks, Should he keep her with dishonour or bury her in the earth? They used to bury their daughters alive, my dear brothers. And as we know, Allah tells us also, وَإِذَا بِأَيِّ كُتِلَتْ When the baby girl buried alive is asked, on the day of judgment, what sin was she killed for? So they would bury the infant daughters alive and some narrations mentioned that. Not only the Arabs, other than the Arabs as well would do that. Not all of them. Now, they did have a lot of pride in the sense of belonging to certain families and certain tribe. And as we know, it was lived by the tribe, died by the tribe. As we know later on, Islam will change this system. Where, where everyone would be irresponsible for his own actions. And basically, my dear brothers, we can summarize this section that these, 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 these nomad Arabs, these Bedouin Arabs, they lived in darkness and ignorance. This was called the Jahiliyyah, the pre-Islamic Jahiliyyah. And basically, it's referring to the Jahal and Jahala, the ignorance and foolishness that, that they would practice at that time. In terms of not giving Allah his rights, but associating partners with him, and also not giving people they used to live with and associate with their rights. Now, they did have some noble qualities. They were very hospitable and generous uh, with one another. And this was also found in their poetry. But sometimes they would do it just not to be outdone. They would honor their guests. And they would even give them from their own... Food. So to bring honor to their tribe. They were not doing this to be good or selfless. But they were trying to earn worldly respect and status. As we see today, many people do their actions not for the sake of Allah. But just to raise their name and raise their honor and fame. But they did take their oaths very seriously. So they, they used to keep their oaths. They were patient. And they were known for the sense of honor as we mentioned. And they did have justice. But it was mainly amongst their own tribal members. While, while they would do the injustice to other Tribes or the general public. Now, one good quality they did have is they were very pure and simple, different than the Romans and, and and Greeks of that time, who were very philosophical or very very into philosophy and and argumentation and the like. But my dear brothers, all this in reality is nothing compared to the shirk they used to perform, and this was the issue in pre-Islamic times. They would associate partners with Allah. They had a lot of superstitions, so they would worship idols and they would have a lot of omens, superstitions, and bad beliefs. They raised holy men. A holy man would die. They would turn it into a statue and a place where they would worship. You know, if, if, if they would use birds to seek good luck or bad luck, they would even mold idols out of dates and take this this idol with him like a mobile a mobile idol. And some reports even mention how stupid they, some of the actions they used to do and how foolish they were. In terms of if they took a, 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 an idol made of dates and they got hungry on the way and they ate their God. They ate their, their, their God which was made out of dates. Or they would take a few stones, one to cook with, one to worship, and this is how they would be. So it shows you how they were at that time. And they used to believe that Allah was the creator. That Allah is the creator, the owner, the king. But where the problem was is that they sit a with him in worship. And if you to ask them, who created them? They would say, surely Allah. Then how are they deluded from, from, from following the truth? Also, Allah tells us, if you were to ask them, who created the heavens and the earth and subjected the sun and the moon, they have to say Allah. Then why are they deluded from the truth? So if you ask them, who is the Rabb? Who created them? Who provides for them? Who looks after the sun and the moon and is in control of them? They will say Allah. But they would worship idols to bring them closer to Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what Allah says about them. That they, they they affirm that Allah is the Creator of everything, but they worship idols, thinking that these idols represent Allah, and these idols were bringing them closer to Allah. As for those who cho- choose others as protectors besides Him, they say, "What? We only worship them because they bring us nearer to Allah." And they had famous idols which they would go to, such as Hubal, Al-Lat, and Al-Uzza and Al-Manat. And they had over three they had 360 idols in and around the Kaaba. And we're going to discuss that in the upcoming lessons. So this is their issue, my dear brothers, their main issue is they would associate partners with Allah. No, my dear brothers, and we'll finish with this, that the greatest sin is not murder, is not riba, is not gambling, is not wine. These are all disgusting, despicable, evil crimes. But the greatest crime is associating partners of Allah. The greatest sin is associating partners of Allah. And therefore the greatest command is to worship Allah alone. So this is the problem that that, that these Arabs had. And in, in Tawheed, it's known that they used to affirm Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, that Allah is the Lord, meaning He is al-Malik, al-Khalik, al mudabbir He is al-Malik, meaning the King, the Owner, the Sovereign. He is the Controller. He is the Creator. But when it comes to Tawheed al-‘Ibadah or Tawheed al-Uluhiyah, meaning worshiping Allah alone, they would associate partners with Him, and this is what we're going to discuss in the upcoming lesson so in this lesson my dear brothers we briefly very briefly spoke about the arabian peninsula before islam next week if allah gives us life we're going to speak about mecca the city of mecca who built the kaaba the history of it and how idol worship crept into mecca this program was presented by al Bayan radio the voice of ahl sunnah wal jama'ah